Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are good, that you are always good. That is a fact, that is a truth that will never change. Lord, that life may not be good, but you are good. And we can always depend on that. And we thank you so much that that is who you are. Lord, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. Welcome to the select few who are actually here this morning. And a big welcome to you if you are here online. Uh, A special welcome to Melbourne supporters who will be watching this this afternoon, of course. Um, Well done. It was about time. But no, a big welcome to you this morning on this beautiful spring day. Um, I hope, like me, you look out and you see that sunshine and greenery and everything growing and it just gives you that thought of um, new beginnings and that promise that things will start again and grow again, particularly this time we're coming through now um, and we're starting to see that glimmer of maybe coming out the other end of this COVID stuff. Um, Let spring be an encouragement to you that new beginnings will come and things will improve. You will have your Connect and Next Step cards, which will be in the online chat. Um, Use them if you want to get in contact with us. Please do. If you want to give us some feedback, well, there's a very apt thing to happen at that time. Um, Yeah, if you want to give some feedback, because we we want to know. If you want to give us some encouragement, we want to know. Um, If you have prayer requests, we really want to know. And with the Next Steps cards, if you're wondering what is the next thing that I do? What is the next step I take in my walk with God? Um, Just fill one of those in and we will uh, contact you and have a chat with you about that and help you find that next step. Remember to use your Church Centre app and to check in uh, that you're here online this morning and whatever platform you're viewing it on, if you're viewing right now this morning, um, put a little... uh, comment in the chat there, talk to people, just so we know that you're here this morning, Um, because we want to have that feeling of all being gathered together uh, as a family, even if it's virtually, and we've learnt we can do that, we can do that with birthdays, and we can do that with significant times, we can gather together as families, even if it is over phones and devices, so just put a comment in the chat to let us know that you're there. You will find in your newsletter, which Hopefully, we'll get through your email if we have your email address. There are lots of announcements in the newsletter, so please take your time to have a look. If you're one of these people that sees the, you know, here is your newsletter for this week in your emails and you go, oh, okay, and you only scroll down as far as how I get onto online church, go down a bit further this week because you're missing out on all the announcements and there is like four or five or six um, announcements there. Now, we have talked a lot about Alpha and we have our Fast Alpha coming up. Before I give you the details for that, I want you to have a look at this video and have a think about, this This explains why you should be doing Alpha. Welcome, Tamara. Um, I've invited Tamara to talk to us about why she chose to do Alpha this year. So, Tamara, tell us as... Uh, a Christian who's been a Christian for a long time and knows their Bible quite well, why you chose to do Alpha this year? 
our neighbor Kath had started coming to church and um, Alpha was announced at church and I thought it would be a great opportunity for her to learn more about the gospel and about Christ. So I said if she wanted to do it, I'd do it with her. Mm, That's a great reason to do it. Um, So what was the unexpected benefit that you got from doing Alpha? Uh, First of all, the relationship and the beautiful meals were a great surprise. Um, But I quickly realized that this wasn't a course just for non-Christians. I learned so much along in the course. Um, It gave me um, the words to say in simple terms if I was going to try and explain a Christian concept to to new Christians. Um, It also gives you historical backgrounds um, and data. Um, lots of Bible verses come through, even ones that, as a long-term Christian, I haven't weren't really familiar with. Um, the interview questions were really good. We had a lot of laughs in our group um, with those. It gives you um, answers to, to questions that are asked from people, um, and sometimes it's surprising how much they know, and sometimes it was really surprising how little or um, the information that they give Um, of the views that are out there these days. The format that it's given in is fantastic. It's a really non-judging, judging sort of way and no answer is wrong Um, and Jackie's really encouraging with that, encouraging people, wow, that's a really good answer. I can see why you um, would say that and so you shouldn't be (laughs) invited. have any problems inviting your friends. It's also good to know what's in the course before um, you invite people. Mm, That's really good. So that is why you need to do Fast Alpha at Cell Baptist Church. So I really encourage you to sign up to do that course, which is starting at the beginning of Term 4. Well, so there you go. That's from someone who um, has been a Christian for quite a long time a very faithful Christian, and they got so much out of doing Alpha. Now, the idea with Fast Alpha is that instead of just doing one session a night and having a big, long talk about it, we get to get together, we watch a session, we have a little bit of supper, then we get to watch another session. It's going to be a great time of being able to get together, uh, have some fun with people, uh, and just have a bit of talk about things that uh, are really meaningful. And I know that you will get a lot out of it. You'll get a lot out of it for yourself, uh, just by looking at the material on Alpha. You'll get a lot out of it in talking to other Christians about the things you've looked about. But you'll get most out of it by knowing what's in Alpha. And it'll give you that confidence to say to people that you know, your friends, your neighbours, your family, hey, come along to Alpha, have a look at this thing. Uh, No strings attached, just come along and have a look. I've seen it, I know it's good, I'll come with you. It just gives you that confidence. So please sign up online. It will be a lot of fun. It starts next Sunday evening and you can register online on the Church Centre app or you can drop uh, Pastor Jackie a line um, and we can sort that out for you. But everybody who's a Christian should be doing this, should know what's in the Alpha course so that they can just have that confidence to invite people along to see these things for themselves. Now, as we come to a a time of prayer and reflection, you hopefully have noticed that we have three balloons sitting up the back there. Uh, And that stands for three people in youth in this last week that have given their life to Jesus. They've said to Jesus that they want to follow him. They want him to be the Lord of their life. And this, we use balloons because this is a reason to celebrate 
this is fantastic. If you thought the end of the grand final, with everything going off and confetti and 61,000 people all cheering and leaping on top of each other, if you thought that was something, Jesus tells us in Luke 15, um, he gives some parables of a lost sheep, of a lost coin and of a lost son. And he says that, you know, we celebrate over things like that, that we find that all of heaven celebrates when one person puts their faith in Jesus Christ and decides to follow him. And we have three people. All of heaven is celebrating. Because three people have crossed over from darkness into light. They've crossed over from death into life. They get to have an abundant life here on earth that's full and rich and meaningful. And then this short temporary life finishes, they get to enjoy an eternal life with the creator of the universe. I mean, what more reason should we have to celebrate? So we need to celebrate with them. We need to thank God for them. But we also need to be praying for their protection. They're like uh, tender plants that have just been planted in the ground. They need to be watered, they need to be nurtured, and they need to be protected. And we have a role in doing that. We have a role in praying for them. We have a role in being good, strong role models ourselves for them to look at and learn how we follow Jesus. And we need to be mentors for them. We need to be willing to spend the time to talk to them and discuss things with them. So please be doing that. It is so important. But what a fantastic day and what a great reason to celebrate this morning. So join with me in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that you are good. We thank you so much that heaven is celebrating because people who were lost are now found and welcomed home. We thank you that we can be a, a home for all here a place where people are welcome, a place where people can meet you. Lord, we thank you for the rich life that you have in store uh, for these young people. And we thank you for their eternal life, that they are safe with you. Lord, we pray for those people we know, our friends, our family, our neighbours, our workmates, the people that don't know you, uh, the people that haven't put their trust in you. Lord, I pray you help us to keep praying for them, to keep talking to them. Lord, give us the courage to invite them to things like Alpha, to invite them to watch church online, to invite them to read the Bible with us. Lord, prompt us to do what we can to prepare ourselves to have those conversations, to do the Fast Alpha course, to be reading the Bible and praying ourselves every day so that we know you more and more and we can invite people into that relationship with you. Lord, we remember the people today who need your healing, whether that's physical healing or emotional healing. We pray for people and families who need that healing in relationships. Lord, you are good and you promise us healing, and you bring us healing. And Lord, we ask for that today. And Lord, we pray for the relationships that are broken and getting strained through this whole COVID thing, whether it's the tension of living at home with people, whether it's the, the awkwardness of 
disagreeing with people in, in our opinions on whether it's masks or lockdowns or vaccines or whatever. Lord, we pray that you would stir up your love in us, that we would love other people the way you loved us and not let these things come between us, but that we would be a light in the darkness that is all around us, that we would bring life and hope to everyone around us, that we would be the people who help heal relationships with your strength and your love. So we thank you so much that you are good and we offer all these prayers to you in Jesus' name. God, that's our prayer this morning, that you would come in power. God, that you would send revival. God, that you would use us, that you would use this church, this people to reach those who don't yet know you. God, that people that are watching even this morning, God, might feel your presence, might know your love in a life-changing way, that you might bring revival in our own hearts this morning. You might bring revival in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, across this great state, this great country, God. We pray that you would bring revival. God, we pray that you would unify us around the cause of the gospel like never before. God, would you help us to fix our eyes on eternity, on the things that count for eternity, God. God, with so many distractions left and right, God, help us to keep centred on what you are and the purposes that you have. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are here with us, that you love us, that you have a good plan for us. We honour you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. It's great that you're tuning in online and for the, the small number of people that we're allowed to have in the building, it's great to have you here with us. Um, and whether you're watching this live or whether you're watching this back um, later on a Sunday or maybe you're from the future, welcome. It's great to have you with us, no matter what time zone or what place you're in. Um, yeah, it's great to have you. Um, this morning I've got a, a fair bit to get through. Um, I want to I talk about maybe some things that um, are somewhat controversial, somewhat maybe not controversial, maybe they're just, we're all on the same page, but just feel like it's a, an important morning for us to, to think about some things. So I hope that you can bear with me. You're sort of coming inside my mind a little bit. Um, normally with my messages, they're, they're nice and succinct and, and well-structured. And this one, I mean, I like to think that, but it's, You'll, you'll, you'll understand as we go. Uh, maybe you think that every Sunday when I preach, is like, whoa, how does this guy think? I ask myself the same question a lot. <laughs> um, but it'll be good. It'll be good. Um, before I get into it, I wanted um, a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago, I mentioned um, that next year we're looking at doing um, a bit more of an intentional outreach in both Yarram and Locksport. Uh, we're looking at setting up some sort of um, campus-type uh, model uh, in both these um, towns. And we are looking for people that would be willing to join the, um, the team that's already um, planning and, and well underway in getting this up and running. But we're really looking for people that are here at Sale or that call Sale Baptist home um, to, 
to maybe pray and ask God, is this something that I could be a part of? And we're just asking for people to maybe commit to it for a year. Uh, and that might be just in praying every week for them intentionally. Or maybe, uh, and this is what we're really after, is, is a handful of people that might be willing to travel to, to say, Locksport or to Yarram every Sunday for a year and be a part of a, a team that gets this up and running. Um, we've already got some core people that are um, well and truly keen and believing that God's in the middle of this and, and there's already been evidence of that along the, along the way. Um, but if that's something that uh, you think, I could do that, or, or, or maybe your whole family could do that. Maybe you and you've got your kids and you think, we could commit to doing that for a year. That would be a, a mission outreach and something different. Um, I'd encourage you to pray about it, talk to me about it. Um, I'd love to explore that more with you. Um, cool, so that's, that's coming up uh, in the new year, which, I mean, wow, we're into spring. We're into spring, and um, before you know it, we'll be in 2022. And who knows what 2022 will bring? I mean, 2020, we had COVID. 2021, we had an earthquake. 2022, <laughs> I don't know what, what else we haven't had yet, but I'm sure we might get it next year. Stay put. Um, you know, there's certain things that you shouldn't talk about, uh, maybe at work or around the dinner table, and things like religion, politics, and I reckon we can add a new one to that list, uh, vaccines. Well, this morning, we're getting a trifecta. I'm going to try to hit all three, um, and hopefully, in a way that sort of brings us together. Um, if and I'm, sure, I'm sure you're aware that um, Daniel Andrews, uh, was it last Sunday, he announced his roadmap um, towards uh, how we're coming out of COVID and how we're learning to live with COVID. And, uh, and I just want to give you a little snapshot of how that affects us at SBC, how that affects churches across the state. Um, currently, we're allowed uh, 20 people um, to attend. We're allowed 20 plus those required to run the service, um, all wearing masks um, inside, four people per four people per square metre, no, one person per four square metres, I should say. I mean, that'd be very squishy. Um, so that's what we're currently at. When we get to 70% uh, fully vaccinated of 16-year-olds and over, which at the moment is around the 26th of October, uh, we will be able to move to um, 30 people who are fully vaccinated inside, uh, and again, one person per four square metres. And then when we get to the 80% mark of those fully vaccinated 16 and over, which is around the 5th of November, a couple of weeks after that, we can move to 150 fully vaccinated people of one per four square metres. For those that are, haven't, who aren't disclosing their vaccination status or are not vaccinated, we can do 20 people per one per four square metres. Um, once we hit that 70 and 80% mark, that doesn't change. So these are the, the guidelines, the the mandates, the, the, the orders the government has given to us. It's not our choice. It's not like the churches have turned around and said, this is what we want to do. It's just, as with the whole last 20 months or so, since March last year, there has been these continual uh, evolving of rules and, um, and restrictions, and um, this is the next lot of those restrictions, the next lot of those rules that we are asked to, to follow. And so our choice as a church and our choice as Christians, and I hope that this is um, where you'll come with me on this little journey this morning, is how we respond to these. 
What's our heart's response? What's our attitude? What's our prayer response? What's our response to each other? What's our response to the community? Because we can choose that. We can't necessarily choose the restrictions given to us. We can have opinions about it, and that's, that's a, a different subject. But what I want to talk about this morning is our response to each of these restrictions, the, our response to each of these rules. Whether we agree with them or not, I think the Bible is very clear with what, how our response should be around these sorts of ideas. And so I want us to, this morning, think biblically and lovingly through these and how, as a church, we are, we're not going to break these rules. We're not going to turn around and say, we're not doing this. We are um, going to, to obey. We're going to um, go along with what our government has told us to do. Um, and we'll be following this roadmap. Uh, and we'll be doing it in, in a way that uh, welcomes as many people and, and everyone all at the same time. So regardless of your vaccination status, regardless of what you think or, or how you um, behave towards these restrictions, we want you to know that we, we love you and we welcome you. And we have not made these rules. We are not the ones that have written them out. We have just been given them and we have to choose how we respond to them. And so I want us to think about how we respond as a church and how we respond as Christians to to rules like uh, the ones that we've been given and the rules that are continuing to come up in the future. I know for me this has been a personal challenge um, because like you, I'm sure, uh, each time that there's been a new rule given or a new restriction updated, uh, there's been times where you think, why? This doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't agree with this. I don't like this one. I don't think this is right. And, and I guess in, in how we respond, I'm not saying that we like the rules that we're given. I'm not saying that we have to agree with every rule and every restriction that's given, uh, but we do have to choose how we respond. And I have been thinking about um, and, and praying through this idea of honour and submission. Um, and I was drawn to the story, and I'm not going to read it and I'm not going to go into detail, but in 1 Samuel of um, when the, the kingship of Israel is given from Saul to David and how, how David is anointed as the next king and Saul really doesn't like David and doesn't like the idea of David being the next king and doesn't like the idea that David has a bigger following and more people like him and, and things like this. And, and Saul, in his response to, to David being anointed as the next king, is actively seeking and hunting and trying to kill David. Uh, he's going out with his men and trying to find David, and David's just trying to evade Saul. And you can read the story. Um, and David, um, a couple of times, had opportunity to, to kill Saul and to, um, to uh, sort of put this matter to rest, so to speak, and to save his own life um, from that which was coming towards him. And, and one of these times in 1 Samuel 24, I want to read you these verses... In 1 Samuel 24, verses 3 to 7, it says this. It says, When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. The Bible doesn't leave any details out. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. And so they said to him, Look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do whatever you desire. So David's got his men there with him saying, this is it, David, this is God's moment for you. This is obviously set up, God's set this up, this is a God moment for you to stand up and do something about this. And then David got up secretly, cut off the corner of Saul's robe, and afterward David's conscience bothered him 
that he cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, as the Lord is my witness, I would never do such a thing to the Lord, to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him, since he is the Lord's anointed. And with these words, David persuaded his men, and he did not let them rise up against Saul. A couple of things here that I find fascinating is that in the middle of this cave, in the middle of this moment, David has got his people, his people, surrounding him in his ear saying, this is the time to stand up and do something about this situation. This is the time. This is the moment. God is doing something and this is the time to stand up and do something, to rise up against Saul and do something about it. And so David, as we, I think we all would in that moment, goes, well, okay, I'll do it. And he gets up and just cuts a corner off the rope. It's like he's trying to be rebellious but doesn't know how to be. Um, it's like that's the naughty thing that David did. I mean, obviously, he did, if you know David, <laughs> whew, um, that's nothing compared to what he would do. Anyway, uh, but that's where it started, just cutting off the robe, the corner of the robe. And I think there's, there's an element of this in our Christian world at the moment, that there's people in our life, uh, and maybe our own voice is saying, is this, and it's a good question, is this a moment for us to stand up? Is this a moment for us to sort of rebel against the authority that is over us and say, mm, no, this is, we need to take this government down, we need to take this authority down, we need to do something drastic in this moment because this is not right? That's a good question, and, and I, I'd encourage you to pray that, because I think that what um, I find amazing in this story is it's David's conscience, it's like the, the conviction of the Spirit says to him, this is not it, David, this is not the right way to go about this, you are to submit, even though and, and I don't think we're in this situation that David finds himself in where uh, the authorities are out to hunting us down and killing us. Um, although that's some of the people might think that, but I don't think that's what we're, we find ourselves in that situation. And the other thing I find fascinating is that David says, this is the Lord's anointed. I don't know about you, but I don't look at Saul and think, wow, he's anointed by God to be a leader out there hunting David and trying to kill him. Like... That doesn't seem right with me, but that's how David views Saul, is like, he is the Lord's anointed. He is the person that is in charge of this nation at this time, and it's God's doing. So who am I to do something about it? We see this idea echoed in Romans 13. I want to read you this. Romans 13, and if you know Romans, you know this. It says, "'Let everyone submit to the governing authorities.'" Since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God, so then the one who resists authority is opposing God's command and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rules are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant and an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. Again, we see this idea. And for this reason, pay, you pay your taxes, since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, honour 
to those you owe honour. And this is Paul writing this. And I think, again, we have to understand who's writing this and how they're writing this, because Paul was someone who's constantly thrown into prison by authorities, constantly beaten by authorities. And yet here he is, turning around saying, we've got to submit to governing authorities. Jesus, Jesus was crucified by the authorities. Governments can and they do go bad. Don't get me wrong. But God still asks of us, as his followers, to submit and to honour to God-given authority. And the results of not submitting to authorities is worse, Paul says, than submitting to bad authorities. I'll say that again. The results of not submitting to authorities is worse than submitting to bad authorities. I came across this quote. It says, don't get your back up so easily because being wronged by a government sends nobody to hell, but being rebellious and angry and bitter and spiteful does send people to hell. And so it is a much greater evil for you to be rebellious than of the government to mistreat you. Much greater evil for you, that is. Again, this is like heavy stuff for us to think about, but again, something that we need to keep in perspective of eternity. Honour and submission starts in our hearts. And if we let bitterness harbour, its fruit is not tasty. It's not a good outcome. There are times, and you might be thinking to yourself, but Brad, what about, I can think of examples in the Bible where they rose up against the authorities, and you're right, there is plenty of them. Daniel, when he's told not to pray, he says, no, I'm going to pray. All the apostles told not to preach, quieten down, what do they do? They keep preaching. All the midwives in Egypt, when they're told to kill the firstborn, all the male babies, what do they do? They, they spare them, they save them. And so we have to ask ourselves, is what the government is asking of us blatantly unbiblical? Because I think in these instances, it's very clear that the reason that people are standing up and saying, no, I'm not going to do that, is because it's blatantly unbiblical. It's like, you should not pray. Okay, well, I'm not going to do that. Or you should bow down to this gold statue. Well, I'm not going to do that. Again, I'm not telling you what the answer is, but I'm saying this is the thing that we need to wrestle with. This is the, the framework we need to think these things through, is what we're being asked to do at the moment completely unbiblical. And for me, the answer is no. I don't think it is. Now, if these restrictions were put into place forever indefinitely, then maybe we would have a different conversation at a different point. But we have to understand that these are temporary measures. Like the, since March last year, we've been in temporary in and out of restrictions. We have understood that these are not permanent changes. And we have also understood that these are not, um, the church is not being singled out. It's not like we're being treated differently and everybody else is allowed to do something and then uh, suddenly the church is not allowed to. In fact, as the restrictions have gone on, especially this year, I've found that the church has probably been given more freedoms than other industries or other businesses, other areas. Um, we can have 20 inside here and at the local cafes and restaurants can only have 10. Things like this, we are, um, we're not being singled out. We're not being discriminated against. They're temporary measures um, for this pandemic. And so the principle in this honour and submission is this, is that citizens 
honour and submit to governments. And we see this through the Bible. Children to parents, wives to husbands, church members to elders. All of these people in any sort of authority are called to have... um, All those people that are called to submit to authority are called to have an appropriate submissiveness and follow the leadership that's over them. But none of these leaderships are absolute. All of these are in submission to Jesus and his sovereignty. Jesus is Lord over all, over all his creation. And there's more we could say about this. Again, I'm happy to talk to anyone about any of these things that I talked about this morning, but... Um, there is so much more we could say, but it's important for us as Christians to understand that we submit and honour authority, not because they are worthy of it, not because they are worthy of it, but because God asks us to. And our submission and honour of authority is actually a demonstration of our trust in God. David, when he submitted and honoured Saul in the midst of Saul trying to kill him, did so because he trusted God. Not because he trusted Saul. He couldn't trust Saul as far as he could throw him. But he trusted God. He said, God will deliver me. If God wants me to be king, I'm not going to be the one to make this happen. I'm going to trust God by submitting and honouring those in authority over me. Honour and submission doesn't always mean that you agree either. I don't agree with how the government's gone about some of its decision-making. I don't agree with all the things, all the restrictions, all the ways they've gone about it. And I'm sure that there's points and times that you haven't agreed either. But just because I don't agree and just because I don't like it doesn't give me permission to willfully disobey. Doesn't give me permission to willfully dishonour those in authority. Same goes in church, you know, we have different levels of leadership and and we're never going to all agree on everything all the time. But we submit and we submit to each other as well. In the same spirit, we submit to each other because it's the best way for us, the best way for us to live in community. The other thing that I've been thinking about, so that's submission and honour. Turn the page. Next thought is this idea that love for one another. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather the interests of others. I don't know about you, but as we've gone through these last couple of years, there's been too many times where I have thought about, I don't like this because it affects me this way. I don't like this restriction because it means I can't do this. And I like doing that. It inhibits my ability to do the things that I want to do. And that's been my first thought, and then my second thought has been how it affects others. For us as Jesus followers, our first thought should be others, and then ourselves. The question shouldn't be how does this affect me, but rather how does this affect everyone around me. Now when it comes to COVID itself, um, and when we think about the risks of COVID Personally, I'm not at much, much risk. of. There is an element of risk, and, and I don't want to speak to the medicine, I don't want to speak to those sorts of things because there are far smarter people in our church that know far more than I could ever. Um, but from my understanding, my, the risk is not great to me. 
The chances of me getting very sick or dying are very small, so why should I worry about being vaccinated? Why should I worry about being restricted? And the answer is because it's for the greatest good of the greatest number of people. A sacrifice, if you like, I can make to help others is always a sacrifice worth making. We could get caught up arguing about the vaccines, uh, the vaccines and their, their effectiveness, the restrictions and their effectiveness, but that's not the point. The point is, is my love for another what's driving me to make the decisions that I'm making? Is that the perspective? Is that the framework? Is that the filter in which I'm looking at all this through? Or am I too worried about how this is affecting me? What I'm talking about is, as a Christian, my response, my attitude is determined by my love for another, not my love for self. Honestly, I was hesitant to get vaccinated because I wasn't sure how it would affect me. I don't know how I would respond to it. But my mind was changed when I started to think about everybody else and how the, the notion of vaccines and, and how they work is when enough people get vaccinated, then the community is safeguarded against the, the illness. So if my small decision can help somebody else, I'll do it. So what lens are you looking through at the moment? Is it how you can best love somebody else or you're looking through your own selfish lens? Demon Jesus demonstrated this perfectly when he decided to go to the cross because it was the best option for those that he loved. It wasn't the best option for him. Far from it. He put his health aside, he put his desires aside, his comfort aside, his rights, his freedoms to sacrifice himself for you and me. And then he said this in John 15, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No greater love, no one has greater love than this, than to lay his life down for his friends. Let's keep loving each other as best we can. Let's keep loving our community as best we can. It starts in our hearts. It starts in our hearts. The third thing that I've been thinking about, so talked about submission and honour, talked about love for one another, and for me, this is the, the biggest one. So put those other two aside if you don't like what I've said. This is the biggest one. Overwhelmingly, for me at least, this pandemic has highlighted that our culture is petrified of death and the unknown, is that we can't stand to think or talk about what happens after we die. And we will avoid death at all costs. We'll do all we can to avoid it. And as a Christian, this is not how we should view life. We shouldn't view life with a fear of death like those that are unsaved do. And there's so many verses, just a selection of verses for, you for this one. Don't let those who... Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather fear... Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Well, Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Or 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Or Paul writes in Philippians 1. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, our, our, our deaths are not something to be feared, but instead something to be looked forward to. And not in an extremist type way, but in a way that understands that we have eternity sorted, that God has our eternity sorted. And in eternity, there is no death. There is no sorrow. In Revelation 21 verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. This is why we look forward to death. Because at our death, that's the end of death forever. We never experience it again. And so our decisions, our thinking cannot be driven by the same fear of death and unknown. So whether your fear is COVID or whether your fear is a vaccine or whether you don't fear either, there's nothing to fear because we belong to Jesus. There is nothing to fear because Jesus has secured our eternity and we can have hope in a hopeless situation. And as Christians, we should be a, a beaming light at this point in time. And not because we're rising up against some authority and not because we're making a big noise about anything else apart from we are so secure in our future and so secure in the hope that we have in Jesus and that this doesn't worry us. It doesn't worry us because our future is secure. Whatever your fear is, Jesus says this in Mark 16. He says, These are the signs that will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons They'll speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will get well. I don't think Jesus in this, um, this is part of the Great Commission in Mark's Gospel, I don't think Jesus was saying to his disciples, I want you to go and find the poison and drink it. It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you don't need to fear death. You don't need to fear the unknown. You don't need to fear what might happen to you because I have secured your future. All will, life uh, is yours in me, no matter what happens to you, no matter what you face, no matter what you face. So maybe you think COVID will kill you, maybe you think the vaccine will. Again, I'm not getting into the medicine or the science because they're secondary to our faith. I want you to know this, you have nothing to fear. God ultimately wins the battle on death through Jesus. He secures your life through his death, through his death. So for us at SBC, when there is so much division in our community, when there is so much division in our culture, so much fear, let's stay united around the gospel. Let's stay united around the love that Jesus has for us and the hope that he's given us. Our purpose in life is to give God glory and to share the good news of Jesus. And if these two things, giving God glory and sharing the good news, have stopped being your focus because of this pandemic, can I encourage you, implore you to get centred back on these two things? Because as a church, if we would stay focused on these two things, we will stay united, even though we might have differences of opinion around these other issues. We are centred around this clause of reaching people who don't yet know Jesus with the good news, of helping them come to know Jesus. I'm guilty of this. I've watched too too much news, read too many articles, 
let my attention drift from the gospel to things that are not as important. They're important, sure, but they're not as important. Hear my heart this morning. They're not as important as the gospel. They're not as important as Jesus. We're about seeing people come to know and follow Jesus like we do, to have hope in him when there's a time of hopelessness. And so this morning, whether you've lost that focus, you've lost your attention off of Jesus and onto the things around this world, I want to encourage you this morning, today, tonight, this is your time to turn around. Today's the day of salvation. Maybe you're watching this and you've never followed Jesus before. Today is the day of salvation. You can have a sure hope in Jesus because he has secured your life. He has died so that you won't have to. He has lived and given his life so that you can have life eternal in him. You can pray right now. You can ask him into your life. You can turn the TV off and start doing this right now if you like. You can open the Bible You can download a Bible app on your phone. You can start reading about this Jesus. You can start praying. You can ask him into your life and start following him. And if you do this, can I encourage you to tell someone? Tell a Christian that you know. Tell me. Email the church. Call up the church. Tell any Christian you know because they would love to pray with you. They would love to encourage you. Maybe you've lost focus and you're already a follower of Jesus and you just need to reorientate your focus back onto Jesus. Can I encourage you to tell someone about that too? To keep yourself accountable to those that love Jesus. And together, let's stay focused on him. Let's stay focused on sharing the good news of being a light in the dark place, of giving hope in hopeless situations. Would you pray with me for our community, for our our government, God, we, at times like this, we can lose track of what we should be focused on and, and God, we repent for that. And God, this morning we pray for, for our community. We pray for a sense of unity, a sense of hope. God, we pray for Christians that we might be people full of hope, full of love, full of care for each other. And God, even when we disagree, God, that we would stay focused on what we do agree on and that is that you love us, that you have saved us and you have a good plan for us. God, for those that we know, for those that are watching that don't yet know you, we pray that in this time, in this moment, we might see revival. We might see people turn to you because we know that you are the only hope for eternity. You are the only hope for our life. God, we love you, we honour you, we thank you that we get to be part of your church, that you hold us together, that you love us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to to sing and pray this song um, as as the team leads us. And I also want to encourage you, if there's anything I've said this, this morning, that you may be don't agree with to let me know I'd love to engage you know I don't pretend to be right or to know all the answers a lot of you are smarter than me Um, but together we wrestle with the scripture we wrestle with what God tells us and 
and we fight for truth. We fight for what it is that God's doing and, and how he's leading us. And if you want to engage in this in any way, feel free to get in touch. Um, talk to any of our pastors. Talk to the Christians that you know. And let's engage in this in a loving way together. Because it, it, lives depend on it. Eternities depend on it. So let's pray. Let's sing. Let's worship together as we close.